In this episode, we'll discuss the true cost of that great opportunity and the value of self-analysis. Welcome to Colored by Design. This discussion series looks at design issues through a uniquely biased lens. Our hope is to empower a new breed of creative as they enter into, mature, and navigate through the business world. I'm Corwin, Senior Global Creative Director. And I'm Jesse, Senior Experience Designer. Let's get into it. Hey man, how's everything? Good, how are you? Good, good, good. Well, I know the magic of editing is is taking this away, but this is our third try at this open. <laughs> Absolutely. So as you were saying, election night in America. Yeah, it's election night in America. And um, many of us have had voted a long time ago. I, I, I voted on October 22nd at 7.28 a.m. Yep, we it's, voted. We went, uh, a couple people went and voted at lunchtime, you know, early voting. Oh, yeah. So we got it out of the way a couple weeks ago as well. Yeah, but man, all that, I mean, I, it's great. All the people that are talking about go vote, all the ads, all the websites and everything, because today is today. Yep. Um, and here in Texas, you know, we've had this race going on between Beto and Ted Cruz. Um, and uh, I voted for Beto. And, uh, but man, their, 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 uh, their staffing and their uh, voter outreach stuff is insane. Mm. I have been talking to my friends about it. I'll get a text from one of Beto's staffers like at least twice a day. Yeah. And they email like three or four times. And I'm like, this would not be acceptable if you were a normal business. Right, right, right. I know their open rates have to be terrible because at this point, I'm like, I already gave you my vote. Like, I can't, I can't do anything else. Well, I think I, I did all that I could do. And I think if, if I think when we're looking at all the uh, GDPR laws and all the uh, to relate to products and stuff, mm-hmm. GDPR laws, uh, spam laws from yeah. email, and all, I think politics gets a pass on all that stuff. Yeah. I think the political operations get a pass on a lot of that jazz. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm like, Beto, I love you, but, you know, I'm, re- I'm ready for the day to be over, you know, win or lose, just so that I'll stop getting hit up every day. Well, we, I can't even block the number because it's always from a different number. Oh, they're going to hustle. Yeah, they, they, they definitely got, got their way around the masking. And But the ones that are starting to kind of bother me are the text messages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, right? How did you even get my number? I don't remember giving you my number. Dude. And, and well, I so my phone number, I have a 415 area code, Bay Area area code. Mm-hmm. And when we lived there, obviously voted in the area and, you know, we put our stuff in, did our donation mm-hmm. and contribution. So they have our stuff. Yeah. I get emails 24, well, texts all the time about proposition this yeah. and school fund that yeah. and every time I have to reply and say don't live here anymore yeah. <laughs> stop you know and no man I think it's great that they're utilizing that to disseminate information I wish there was some way for us to have more control over that because the phone is so much more personal than my inbox is like if you're sending me a text message I, I you know that's that's a different level of access than just having my email address and uh, so I wish there was something that we could do about that. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's good that there's, uh, like you said, more engagement yep. for sure. Um, you know, people are getting out. And I, I, what I like is that I'm at work, I'm pretty vocal. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I just refuse to play the, oh, don't talk about politics. It's hard not to money. be vocal today. Well, you know, it's been pretty quiet in, 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 at our spot. Yeah. Um, but I really encourage, you know, especially as, as a leader, I think that, you know, I do believe that there's, Tremendous space for us to be politically correct. Yeah. Um, but you can have, you should be able to have conversations about religion. Yeah. About sexuality, if you want. Mm-hmm. It can be a touchy subject, so tread lightly. Yeah. Um, politics, money. Yeah. Talk about all of it and, and, and respect each other's views. Yeah. My goodness. 
respect each other's views. One of my coworkers, I know her political affiliation. She knows mine. Mm-hmm. We can still go get coffee, walk down the street, and she's like, hey, I hope this wins. And I'm like, ah, I'd rather <laughs> didn't, but okay, if it does, no problem, you mm-hmm. know. But I think this is so healthy. It's like, dude, you know, my favorite time was back, not my favorite time, but I loved TV back in like, the late 70s, early 80s with shows like Hollywood Squares, mm-hmm. um, All in the Family with Archie Bunker, mm-hmm. The Jeffersons, because those programs, they just talked very candidly yeah. about everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I, I like that our, 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 uh, our political process is getting people out of the woodworks and people are starting to vote their conscience and really look at the, the, the the topics and the, uh, you know, the initiatives and the perspectives, you know, it's good. Yeah. I think it's great. Yeah. And I know that, you know, no one really cares about my political views and I don't really care about anyone else's generally speaking. We don't want to hear it. Um, but you know, there's been a lot of discourse about a return to civility in our public discourse. Mm. And I was having a conversation with my mom about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, and you know, traditionally she and I, and, and my family and I have, well, my parents and I have voted differently. Oh, really? Um, okay, that's cool. Um, I, I think, you know, they come from a different a, a different space, you know, and, and, and that's fine. We're able to have these conversations where I disagree about something or another right. because we have a shared baseline understanding of who the other person is. And they, I know that they love me and that they value me as a human. And even if it's you and I having a conversation and if you were to have a different political belief than me, we can certainly disagree and disagree uh, with civility, if I know, if we know that we hold certain things to be evident, you know, that you and I are created equal, mm-hmm. you're not trying to attack or, or dehumanize me, right? Right. We're, we're saying that, Hey, you, you have value as a human being. I'm not going to attack that fundamental right of you, uh, you know, your equality as an American. Now I might disagree with you on fiscal policy or immigration or any of those things. And we can do that, you know, all day. Have a great, have a, a heated conversation about it, right. an impassioned conversation about it, without, you know, it, 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 the level of discourse just sinking really low. Yeah. Uh, and I think that it's possible to return to that civility if we can come together as Americans and agree on our fundamental human rights or fundamental American rights. And um, I think that's really what, even though no one cares what I think, has kind of been lost. Yeah. Well, what I what I love about like. The barber shop, you know that yeah. that you know we're both African American. Probably had any anybody that's ever been into a uh, black barber shop. The conversation is no holds barred. Right, right. By and large, I think the, the you know the, the the gentlemen and the ladies that that end up in a barber shop will be considerate of young children. Mm-hmm. Uh, but depending upon some barber shop you go into, <laughs> they might not care at all. No, that's the place you got to grow up. You got to grow that's up. That's where boy. you hear it. Put some hair on your chest. Um, <laughs> But what I love talking about uh, civil discourse is that you, what I like about African-American males and uh, my wife even doesn't get this and she kind of gets like a little bit uncomfortable mm-hmm. when, when, when me and one of my very good friends, uh, Jay, and, 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 and the brothers get together, young and old. Mm-hmm. I mean, you throw out a topic in the room and man, it can get heated. <laughs> and it seems like every time we're together, the number one question they all want to ask Who's your top five basketball all time? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, and the debates start flying. Yeah. And then Angela's dad, he's great. He's old school. You know, he's older and everything. Mm-hmm. He lived in L.A., so obviously he's Lakers, Magic, Kareem, Will, mm-hmm. those guys, right? And it's funny, but going to politics, we can have a blowout conversation about mm-hmm. any of these things. Yeah. And 
what others might observe and say, oh my gosh, they're just, those dudes are going to break out in a fight. Yeah. To us, it's not. Yeah. It's not a fight. It's just like um, in Cuba, right? Went, went to Cuba and, 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 you know, the way they talk looks like an argument sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's just cultural. Yeah. You know, I worked for some Portuguese guys at one point. They stand so close. There's no, there's no <laughs> personal space whatsoever with these Portuguese guys that I worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I mean, they kind of told me, hey, it's just our culture, you yeah. know? And it's like, so whether it was good or bad, they were in your face. Yeah. But it's like across different cultural lines and across different people groups, across different, um, you know, ideologies, Dude, you can be completely on the other side of the of, of the conversation and have good heated debates, yeah. and then we can close it down and still come back and talk. When you start getting to where you want to start throwing blows, yeah. you want to start cussing people out, and I mean, let me back up. Even cussing people out in my world is perfectly fine. Yeah, you know what I mean. But it's like, it's just an opinion. Yeah, it's an idea. None of us have all the facts. Even the most, you know, those of us that are up on it as best we can be, we don't have all the facts. Yeah. We don't have the inside stuff that they will not tell you behind those closed doors. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we don't know the intents and motivations of all these guys and gals, their hearts and all that stuff. But uh, but we can have a great conversation. I like that. I, I, I think it's it's good to be open. Yeah. And, and this environment here isn't as open as a more uh, one of the coasts. Yeah. Right, being here in the middle of the country, mm-hmm. the coasts are way more open and outspoken than I see here. I here it's still kind of quiet and kind of keep keep it to myself. Yeah, the uh, southern manners. Is it? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. but it is. It's but man, yeah, I, I think that's really valuable. Um, it's the idea of having those shared values where you don't feel like your life is being threatened or your very existence is being threatened, yeah. um, because that's when your people are going to fight, and understandably so. But if you can have a baseline. When you're talking about in business, for example, hey, if I know you and I are both on the same team, that you really value my my input and you really respect me, and I really value your input and really respect you, you can have those disagreements where it gets to that point where you might feel like cussing somebody out. Not that you or I have ever had that because you've always been my boss in the times <laughs> that we've worked together. But you know, in those scenarios where you feel that you know you can really get passionate about something and you know really fight for it. Um, but then at the end of the day, understand that I'm not attacking your value or what you bring to the table um, as, a, as a partner. You know, that's when you really get to build things that matter, I yeah. think. Because if you have to hide, if you have to hide behind, you know, layers of politics. And I think that you don't, you don't build your best products in that space. It, it's the, the, the politics in the workplace are, I mean, honestly, man, they're sad to me. Yeah. I just, I just never have enjoyed it. Um, I, I, I like it when people just shoot straight. Yeah. You know, um, I don't <clears throat> I don't like it when I see people being dismissed or not even included yeah. in, in, a, in a conversation or even a topic. Right. It's like you're in a meeting on a team, part of an initiative and you make a comment and it kind of gets dismissed, whether you're, you know, uh, man, woman, old, young. Uh, subject matter expert or not. Yeah. I really appreciate those teams and those meetings and those environments where people can listen. And, 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 and if somebody makes a comment that's not on point or there's something that that individual can learn, yeah. then you, you, you impart some wisdom. You pass it on. You share, oh, hey, no, that doesn't make sense for this, that, and the other reason. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite coworkers, uh, she was my uh, office wife, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> was office spouse. 
And, uh, you know, she was great because I would come in there and I would I would ask a ton of questions and I had a lot of ideas mm -hmm. and she would break down the business and share why this may or may not work or here's let me show you the data, this, that and the other. Yeah. And I would I wouldn't necessarily take it just because, you know, she had tremendous amounts of years of experience and understood things backwards and forwards. I wouldn't even take it necessarily as like, oh, okay, well, that won't work. Yeah. It's like, no, I appreciate you breaking, you know, breaking it down and shedding some light on it, but I'm still going to take my idea and not throw it out the window. Yeah. I'm going to still look at that data and figure out, okay, well, what if we did it this way? Could this work this way? How'd you guys do it? Because, you know, a lot of this could just maybe be bad timing, yeah. poor execution, um, wrong, wrong place, wrong time, you name it, a lot of different circumstances. But I like it when people like that will take time. Uh, shout out to Kelly Frank. Um, I like it when people will take time to really teach you yeah. and show you what you don't know. Yeah. Instead of just writing you off as like, oh, uh, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. You know? Yeah. To that point, um, I, that kind of brings us to the topic for this episode. Um, when I was uh, offered, a, a, I was in the opportunity uh, to transition uh, out of my, pre my prior role into uh, a new role that I'm in now, uh, and you and I were, were talking a little bit about that over lunch, um, we, you, you said something that I thought was really interesting, um, and you talked about putting yourself in the best position to win. You, know, mm -hmm. you have two opportunities here that you're looking at, and they're both interesting. They're both going to challenge you in different ways. What's going to put yourself in the best position to win? Um, I, I recently, uh, last week, uh, was presented an opportunity to um, be a lead designer for uh, another team within the organization. Cool. Um, great team, great folks. They're, they're working on some really important things. Um, but ultimately, I decided to turn that opportunity down because I felt that I had a lot left to contribute in my current role. Yeah. Um, I have a great relationship with my manager and, and my teammates, and I wanted to ensure that I did my best work and put my best foot forward there. Right. I still feel that I have a lot of room to grow even within that role. Yeah. Um, and, and, and elevate myself in that way. Yeah. But it, it kind of, you know, that kind of brought it back. Like, you know, what, even though I, you know, that there is this opportunity in front of me, what's going to put me in the best position to win mm -hmm. long term? Mm hmm. It's good, man. I think number one, congratulations. Oh, thank you. Cause it's, uh, it's cool when people, you see that there's recognition, of, of your contribution. Yeah, totally. You know, it's a tremendous compliment and uh, I, that's always awesome, right? Um, but for, I would say for uh, for me as a designer and what I've learned from other designer type folks and creative folks and folks that are trying to express ideas and solve problems and create, mm -hmm. um, regardless of the industry or discipline, there's oftentimes a different motivation yeah. It's not just money, prestige, power. Mm -hmm. It's it's accomplishment. It's satisfaction. Yeah. It's you know it's uh, pride. You know what I mean. So there's other motivations and 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 other motivators that contribute to the decisions that you'll make in your career. Yeah, and I think that's a great decision. I I, I mean right. I, I I like hearing that you made that decision for the reasons you made it. Mm -hmm. A lot of people now again. There's nothing wrong with um, you know wanting to climb the corporate ladder yeah. or get you know you know promotions and bonuses and and, and you know um, you know fatten up your check and all those kinds of things. Yeah. But uh, I think that it's great when you can clearly articulate why you want to do something and money doesn't have to be the driver all the time. Yeah. 
You know, we all want to make as much money as we possibly can, but you know, I think right now when I came from California to Dallas, obviously the salary ranges, you know, Dallas salaries don't necessarily rival those of what you'd see on the on the coasts. Mm-hmm. And what's cool is that you don't need it to. Yeah. I mean, living on the coast, it's extremely expensive, so you need to make more money. No way, to, no two ways around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here, you don't have to. So it, it's a shot to the ego at first. Mm-hmm. But then you step back and you're like, "Wow, I'm living a great life. I'm making, you know, a fine living." Mm-hmm. But now I'm in a position where I don't have to jockey and fight and yeah. target all these moves to get enough money just to yeah. exist. Yeah. I can actually sit back. I can learn again. Yeah. I can learn how this type of a business works. I can learn how this department works. How do these cross-functional teams come together? How should they come together? Mm-hmm. How are they not coming together, right? Yeah. And learn from that for whatever comes in the future. Yeah. You know, we're still young, so got a lot of a lot of work to do, a lot of things to learn, a lot of stuff to go build and things, you know? Yeah. It's like cool to be able to like I said do your better work and learn a lot more and hey, I just got a good relationship with this team. Yeah. I don't want to throw that out the window. Yeah. You know, so that that's awesome. So congratulations on the acknowledgement and the opportunity. And then uh, I, it sounds like you made a decision that works for your conscience, your heart, your peace of mind. Yeah. And, and you know, it's impossible to know for sure. You know, you, anytime that you have to make a choice, you can always wonder, well, what would have happened if I did something differently here? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that, you know, my career progression has been, I, I've been aggressive in wanting to um, climb that ladder. Um, I've seen the effects of waiting around for that acknowledgement and, you know, and, and my family and, you know, mm. what if I would have been more aggressive about looking for that promotion uh, instead of waiting and thinking that they were going to come and give it to me? You know, you can set yourself back some time. Right. So it's certainly something to consider um, at, when you're presented with these opportunities. But, you know, for our listeners, I think that it's important also to realize that once you get to a certain point, other things do become more important. Um, there will be other opportunities that arise, you know, especially in design and especially working in Dallas. If you're a talented designer, you're going to get a lot of opportunities mm-hmm. um, from from various companies or recruiters that reach out to you and say, hey, come do this or come do that. Or we have an opportunity over here. Um, and there's a balance to be struck there. But something that I've been working on personally is that patience and wanting to see like, OK, let me sit here and figure out what I can learn. Let me take a step back, just like you said, and see how my contributions here can evolve over time um, and what I can learn to eventually apply in whatever new role that I take, whether that's within the organization or or elsewhere, um, to make sure that I'm improving myself in that way. And when you're not tied directly to needing to make more to live comfortably day to day, the different decisions that you can make. It's kind of really interesting. And you were able to impart that to me. And so I wanted to, you know, call that out for, for anyone who's listening and faced with that opportunity to make that transition. Well, it's, it's cool. Cause I mean, um, appreciate the shout out. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it, it, you know, we've, we've heard this in, in various places and things, but it's like, you know, at our job, one of our recent leaders kind of had this, 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 ask of all of the leadership team and said, you know, question everything. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, I was just talking to a friend and she was doing meditation and the, the person that was leading the meditation session was like, you know, you should ask yourself why you meditate. Then you should ask yourself 
whatever that answer is, you should ask, well, why do I need to do that, et cetera? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, in, in design and in, in, in problem solving and all that, you know, there's this idea of the five whys. Mm -hmm. You know, keep asking. And, you know, the five, I'm reading from Wikipedia, but the five whys is this in, 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 iterative, iterative uh, interrogative, good Lord, um, technique used to explore the cause and effect relationships underlying a particular problem. Mm -hmm. The main goal of the technique is to determine the root cause of a defect or a problem by repeating the question, why? Mm -hmm. Each answer forms the basis of the next question. And the five in the name derives from an anecdotal observation on the number of iterations needed to resolve a problem. Mm -hmm. um, it's good reading. Not all problems have a single root cause. If one wishes to uncover multiple root causes, the method must be repeated asking different things. But nevertheless, what's cool is if you go down this path and ask yourself why, mm -hmm. why do I want to even, why do I want this new job? Mm -hmm. Why do I want to work on that team? We we're just talking about um, Amazon. Yeah, you know, possibly, you know, still trying to find their their second headquarters. Mm -hmm. Looks like it's down to some places in the D.C. area and <clears throat> another city. They say they're possibly going to pick two cities. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if Amazon came to town, would you want to work for Amazon? Right. And it's like, you know, great company. Everybody I know that went to work for Amazon gets paid. Yeah. You know, but I'm like, mm, do I want to work for Amazon? Yeah. I don't know. Might not be for me. Yeah. You know, um, I've always said I don't want to work for a Coca-Cola or a, you know, like a top name brand, mm -hmm. like because I felt like they don't need me. Yeah. You know, these smaller agencies, these startups, these boutique -y kind of firms or, or companies that are growing and transitioning and, mm -hmm. and, and, and charting a new course. That sounds like a cool place to be. Yeah. Um, I think Sheryl Sandberg said when you when you. Uh, get invited to ride on a rocket ship just don't ask which seat just yeah. get on yeah. you know it's cool right so you never know where these things are going to take and i think it's a little more exciting and i think there's more opportunities to learn in, in some of these places but asking yourself why why do i want a career in design why do i want to i had a very nice person call me and say hey i'm thinking about getting into ux yeah and i'm like oh why um you know and they were like oh well this that the other and i was like oh great well why yeah and it turns out that being in UX wasn't necessarily what they really wanted after we were just asking her that question. It sounded like it was more like product management was what was interesting. Yeah. You know, so that was cool. But again, that asking yourself, why are you doing what you're doing is good in anything, relationships, money, cars, houses, kids, family, dogs, cats, you name it, you know? No, I think it's really interesting. Um, and that's not to say that if someone makes you an offer, you can't refuse that you refuse it because if somebody makes me an offer, I can't refuse them taking it. Um, Would you? Why? <laughs> I guess it just depends. Um, I'm gonna tell you, I've had, I've had, an, I've had couple offers that I couldn't refuse, and I refused them. I had one offer to go to work in Spain, be a creative director of a company in Spain, mm -hmm. and my wife and I both wanted to live in Spain. Yeah. And I didn't take it. Yeah. You know, there was a good reason at the time, which I won't divulge at this point. But it was an opportunity at that point in my life of a lifetime. Yeah. You know, there was another one that I regret, regret. It was, uh, and again, opportunity, you know, make me an offer that I can't refuse. It doesn't mean that there's like a mountain of money. Right. Right. It could just be, you know, um, I had the opportunity to be one of the lead uh, web designers at the time of this amazing firm that's absolutely amazing. Speaking of Amazon, they designed the Amazon logo. So if you know mm -hmm. who that company is, then you know who <laughs> I'm talking about. Um, and at the time, I was like, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Why? 
I don't want to be pigeonholed as a web designer. Yeah. You know, that was probably one of my biggest career mistakes of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it was okay. It worked out. But yeah, I mean, sometimes you're going to get made that offer and uh, it, you know, you might want to consider turning it down. So what are some of those things that you would, that you would advise someone who's being faced with one of those once in a lifetime up to that point in your life opportunities to consider when they're balancing, you know, taking a leap into the unknown uh, versus learning everything you can at your current role versus, you know, not wanting to live with regrets because there's a balance there. Um, and, and I think that can be hard for people to navigate. And I mean, you still think about those opportunities. You had those right off the top of your head. So, I mean, what would you say? I think I think that's a, it's a great question. I think it's um you know you really one thing that the old schoolers will say is that you got to count the cost. Yeah. You know what is it going to cost me to go down this path? Um, I can tell you something, and I want I, I would encourage people to really be really try to think past just tomorrow, two years, five years, big paycheck because. You know, you gotta you gotta get past that superficial that superficial layer of decision making. Yeah. You know, so for example, I'll I'll bring it over to relationships. What would I what would you consider when you're when you have these opportunities? My wife that I've now been married to for a very 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 long time and mm-hmm. everything is great. Just got a tattoo of her. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, and there was a point where we weren't together. Mm-hmm. She came to visit and we had the opportunity to quote unquote hook up mm-hmm. for the weekend. I didn't want to hook up with her because I didn't want her to, even though she knew everything about me, I didn't mm-hmm. want her to have that kind of a experience with me Yeah, because she was a person that I knew I wanted to have a long-term relationship with. Right. Was I ready to have that long-term relationship with her at that point? I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I had to roll the dice that I knew myself well enough to say, I'm not ready for this type of relationship today. Yeah. And if I hook up with you, it's going to soil some things. Yeah. Now, I'm gambling that you're going to want to be involved in me a couple years from now when I am ready. Mm-hmm. But when we did decide to get together, she was still available. She was interested. We did get a relationship. And you're going to experience all those lumps and bumps in a relationship anyway. Mm-hmm. I could always, she could always go back to remembering, I didn't do you dirty then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not going to do you dirty now. And you need some of those moments. I look back. I've told her the truth every single solitary day of our relationship. Mm-hmm. Hard truths. We've been compl- So now she has confidence, and I have confidence, mm-hmm. that this is built on solid ground. Yeah. So really, one of the things that I would say when you're faced with those decisions is really count the cost and think past that superficial layer of decision making. Yeah. And really try to think, how is this going to play out? five years from now yeah can i tell my folks about this am i going to be excited about this am i gonna be able to share it with my friends is it what is this going to look like yeah am i selling out not selling out to the community or whatever you're a part of but like am i selling out like taking the short-term gain like i have another friend that took the money yeah and it ruined his life yeah wow because when he took the money the people that he took it from expected certain behavior from him yeah and it ruined his relationship. Yeah, it's ruined everything since, and you know things fell all the way apart. He went all the way to the other end of bad. Yeah, does he still have all the stuff? Sure. Yeah, 
but it's a cold house. You know what I'm saying? It's this it's a cold existence right now because he doesn't have all the other things that go along with that decision to take that money. Yeah. So for me, I rather have my 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 little dollars versus his stack of dollars. Yeah. And you know the peace, you know. So and he'd be the first one to tell you I I should have did things differently. Yeah. You know what I mean? Going back to our conversation that we had over that lunch when I was weighing where to go next, um, one of the things that you said was you asked me if I was ready. Um, and that, you know, it doesn't really matter what they think about you in this position, either, either opportunity. What really matters is, are you ready? Can you consistently and confidently say, I'm ready for this role and the responsibilities that it entails? Yeah. Um, and that knowing yourself aspect of, of this and not letting yourself be blinded by the dollars, I think is really valuable to um, young folks in technology um, because there are a lot of people out there who have really lofty titles that, you know, with, with relatively little experience, um, and they can be really smart. I mean, I, I know a ton of really smart people oh, who are really high up and really young. Uh, and the question is, you know, how, how'd you do that? How'd you get there? Right. Um, and, 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 and it comes down to, well, they, they knew what to expect from themselves. Um, and what that money and that role means that you need to be able to do might not always be communicated in the job posting. Sometimes it is, but sometimes, and a lot of times it's not. Right. Uh, the soft skills that are required to be able to navigate all the different relationships that you're going to have with your development team and your business team and other designers within the organization. Or if it's a small company, the relationship that you're going to need to be able to nurture uh, with the founding team. Um all of those things, you know, they, they might speak to, they might not, but having an understanding of, okay, well, if you're going to take that job that they're offering you, you pass the interview, you pass all the portfolio requirements, you're the guy they feel comfortable giving it to, but do you and your heart believe that you're ready? Right. Um, and I think, you know, to your point about you took the money, but then nothing else was ready. It's going to come back and haunt you. It's going to hurt. And like I said, you know, when when I when I asked you, are you ready? I didn't. That wasn't like from the wisdom of core. When I got that from somebody, when they were giving me a shot at a at a very lofty position, yeah, they asked me, hey, you know, want to extend this offer to you, um, this seat, but are you ready? Yeah. And they were asking more from the perspective of are you re- are you ready for the haters? Yeah. Are you ready for the 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 whispers behind your back? Are you ready for people to totally say you're too young to be sitting here at this table? Yeah. That's what they were asking me, was I ready for? Yeah. And because that person asked me if I was ready, I was emboldened by the question. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, but I appreciate that person asking me, kind of putting it in my face, like, hold on, hold on. Are you really ready for what's getting ready to come your way? Yeah. Because you can't be soft, you can't be whiny, you can't, you know, and it's going to be hard work and all that stuff. Yeah. And it was super cool. I was like, yeah, that's, you know, so I appreciated that. So that's where I got that from. Yeah. The second piece is that going back to the age thing, you got a lot of young, smart mm-hmm. people in very lofty positions. Um, I was just, I'm a Formula One racing fan, love it. And I was watching a documentary on this young guy. His name is Max Verstappen. Mm-hmm. He was one of the youngest Formula drivers, Formula One drivers to come into the sport. Usually you come in about, you know, 18, 19, maybe 20s, you know, have a career up through your mid, low, mid 30s and you're out. This kid came in at 16. Wow. And his dad used to be a Formula One driver and, but, you know, the kid just had it. He was just a natural, right? Mm -hmm. And he's really proven to be a great, great, great driver. Um, But, you know, 
he's part of the Red Bull Formula One racing team, and 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 they were interviewing different people, and they were saying, you know, hey, age is just a number. Yeah. So you know that that the the principal uh, the lead um, uh, principal uh, head of head of the sport head of the Formula One team for Red Bull Racing mm-hmm. was thirty years old when he came into it. Yeah. Formula One has like been around for like 50, 60 years, mm-hmm. and it's a very mature, high pressure, big business ego driven i mean it is it sounds like on par with running for president yeah to be in this industry you know what i mean and uh that guy his name's christian horner he was 30 when he came in max was 16 when he came in you know and and, and then there's another guy his name's bernie ecclestone he's the guy that masterminded the formula one mega brand mm-hmm. he's like 80 something yeah because it's old yeah so it's like it doesn't matter how old you are you know it's like art are you ready? Mm-hmm. Can you come in here and perform? It doesn't matter. Look, you know what I mean? Um, and I think that's a, that's a big, big piece of it. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, you gotta, you gotta go in there and, and do your part. And, and the other piece is, is don't, don't try not to, if you get the shot, take the shot. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, but be you. Yeah. Do you. Um, I, there was a guy here in the, in the Dallas UX community. His name is Brandon Ward, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, nice guy, and he said something one time at one of these uh, UX meetups or at a Big D design conference or something, and he said, hey, I've gotten fired from like five jobs. Yeah. And he's like, I clearly know what I'm doing, but I didn't find a home where they were accepting me for me. Right. And his, for, his boss at the time was in the audience, and he said, we accept you, Brandon. We love you. <laughs> you know, and it was cool because it's like you might go from one job to the other, not succeed. Yeah. You might go to another job, not succeed, not get the buy-in, not get the favor, feel like you're being shunned or stiff-armed. And do your best not to let it bother you, um, but try to learn from it and say, where am I not effective as a communicator? Where am I not effective in my ideas? Where am I not effective as a understanding the business? Yeah. Please don't try to go to the place of, oh, they don't like me because I'm black. Oh, they don't like me because I'm just a designer. Oh, they don't like me because I'm a woman. Oh, they don't like me because I'm young. Oh, they don't like me because I'm not good looking. Oh, they don't like me because I'm too good looking. Yeah. You know, try not to go to the excuses, but really try to self-analyze and understand what am I doing? Because other people are getting shine. Yeah. Other people are succeeding, climbing. Where am I making my mistakes? Yeah. Even when you think it's probably because I'm not part of the X club. Right. That doesn't mean nothing. You can still overcome that. You can still find the solutions that just can't be refuted yeah. and, and, and still go in. Because nobody's going to deny a million-dollar idea. Yeah. Nobody's going to deny sound business logic yeah. You know, again and again and again. Yeah. At a certain point, you're going to get a listening ear that's going to be like, yo, you know what you're talking about. Come on in here. I need to hear what you have to say. Yeah. I love the point of self-analysis. Um, and, you know, for young designers out there and even for old designers out there, for anybody who's listening, who's, you know, faced with one of these questions uh, around, here's an opportunity, are you ready? That step of self-analysis and understanding yourself is so important. And get that feedback that you can if you have any mentors in the area, any any people who have been through what you've been through, even if they're in a different industry. Try and get any gems around, you know, things that they can impart into you, into your life. I've seen my dad do this. Um, with people above him and in, in his company, people who you know uh, are, are, are are the VP or, or, or president level of a massive corporation, like, hey, you know, I'm looking to move forward. What did, what do I need to improve? Yep. And it's like, oh, okay, well, and, and you know, these two people, my dad and this guy, happen to have been lifelong friends. Like, I grew up with his kids. Like, we didn't know each other for 25 plus years, but he's able to speak honestly to right. like, hey, 
these are the things that I see you need to improve in order to take that next step. Yep. And then he's also like, but you can do it. Like you, I believe you can do it. You just got to do it. That's right. Uh, and, and you know, that, and, and so that's what, I, what I've, what I've been able to get from you. And also, um, after you get that step and you're, and you're welcomed in the organization to your point, there's going to be pressures. Uh, you go, you are going to be there with your five years experience or 10 years experience or whatever. You just started, uh, at the company, there can be people who have been at this company for 25 years yep. and they've been designing <clears throat> at this company longer than you've been alive. Yep. And you're going to be expected to contribute on the same level that they do if, if you come in at a certain level, right? Yep. Um, and, and this happens all the way up the chain, whether you know, they bring in a new C-suite guy, they bring in a new CEO, they bring in a new executive director. There are people in these large corporations that have been there for decades and decades and they have all of this kind of built up capital, but you need to feel confident in yourself to be able to speak to that and say, this is what I know, this is why I was brought in, this is why I'm being valued. And you can't do that unless you first take a hard look at yourself. Because um, you want to be the person to tell yourself you're not ready. You don't want someone else to be the person to tell you you're not ready. Right, right, right. Know, know thyself. Yeah. Now, real quick, one, one thing when you said, you know, somebody's been in the company, you got five years, 10 years experience, 20 years experience. A very good friend of mine who I went to design school with, he's, his name is Jamie Calderon. He works at a design firm called Tolson Design, mm -hmm. creative director. On his LinkedIn, it's the only job he had. 1998 to the present, <laughs> 20 years, 11 months. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Imagine coming in and being a guy that's supposed to digital transformation in your company. Hey, man, I've been doing this for 25 years. What are you, who are you telling me what to do? Right. And that's exactly the problem. I called him one time and I said, dude, I'm, you know, we're pitching this, that, and the other. Do you have any ideas, any thoughts on how we should do this? He said, dude, he said, you would think after 20 years and their track record at this firm is impeccable. Yeah. Can't touch them. He said, we still have to go in and justify who we are. Yeah. Prove ourselves. Pitch like, like we're kids fresh out of high school every single time he said it's amazing yeah so now obviously we're, we get a you know a certain amount of credibility and we get big accounts coming on he said but we have to pitch like it's day one every single time yeah so even with 20 years of experience impeccable track record jamie's probably one of the best designers i've ever known in my life mm -hmm. still got to go in and do the work yeah you never get around it so don't be sour if you're like Oh, I've been here, especially some of you junior cats that are coming in. Oh, you think you just graduated with your human-centered design degree? And, <laughs> oh, you didn't split the atom. Yeah. You know how to do it. No, come on in, learn, adapt, flow. D try to avoid the frustration as best you can. You're going to be frustrated because you are a creator. Yeah. So don't worry about that part, but you have to pull it back and learn, understand, and apply your knowledge and, and get into a rhythm to where you can make changes and, and improvements. And it's not going to happen overnight. Uh, none of this happens overnight. Even getting the opportunities of a lifetime, they don't happen overnight. They yeah. happen because you've been diligent, you've been grinding, you've been in the lab, you've been studying, you've been learning, you've been making the right moves, and now somebody will come and offer you the opportunity of a lifetime. Yep. I always enjoy our discussions. Sweet. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening. To stay up to date with all things Colored by Design, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor.fm. And if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate your feedback on your platform of choice. Have a good night.